Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be back, and uh, I trust um, as we turn to God's Word that the Lord will bless us this morning as we seek His face, seek His will, and hear what He has to say to us. I wonder if you could turn with me to Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles there in the Old Testament, and chapter 34. I'll give you a moment to turn to that, Second Chronicles and chapter 34, and we're going to read from verse 1. Second Chronicles chapter 34 and verse 1. Before we turn to God's Word, let's just come before the Lord in prayer. Let's just pray. Eternal Heavenly Father, as we enter into your presence, Father, we declare that you are indeed almighty. We declare, Father, that you are indeed sovereign. You hold this very earth, this very uh, planet, the heavens, in the palm of your hand. Father, we thank you that as we approach your throne, we approach with confidence and boldness because we don't come in and of ourselves, but we come in and through the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that we are indeed accepted in the Beloved. We're clothed in your righteousness, in his righteousness. We thank you, Father, that we have bold access to call out to you, Father. And we thank you that we gather this morning as sons and daughters of the living God. We've been brought into fellowship with the Father and the Son. And Father, we thank you that indeed for all that the Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross at Calvary. We thank you, Father, as we've been reminded in the songs that we have sung of the the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that covers all of our sins. All of our sins. We thank you, Father, for that debt that was paid in full on the cross at Calvary. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who stood in our place and took that wrath that we deserved. And we thank you, Father, this morning that we do not serve and we do not worship a dead God, but we worship one who lives. We thank you for the resurrection. On the third day, he rose. And we thank you, Father, that he has ascended into glory and now sits at your right hand. Father, we thank you for our salvation this morning. We thank you that even though we have erred and strayed, we are a rebellious people, yet you showed grace upon grace in our lives. Father, we thank you that the gospel was gossiped to us, preached to us, testified to us, and there came a point in our life when the Holy Spirit cut into our heart and brought us to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, that our journey of faith, it began then, but it continues You continue to mold us and shape us and and sanctify us and you're conforming us onto the likeness of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that this journey will one day end in glory with the Lord. But Father, we're very conscious this morning that there perhaps are some here this morning that in this room, in this building that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, have not put their faith in, in Him, are not trusting in their Savior. Father, we pray that through the the preaching of the Word, 
by the power of your spirit that, that souls will be converted, that, 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 that hearts will be convicted, and that many here and across this land, through the preaching of the gospel, will put their faith in Christ and in Christ alone. Father, be with us now as we study your word. Speak to us, Father. But above all, in everything that is said and everything that is done, we pray that you would be given the glory and you and you alone. And we pray these things in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Second Chronicles 34 and verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. They broke down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and the incense altars which, which were above them he cut down, and the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images he broke in pieces, and made dust of them, and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars, and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so he did in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali, and all around with axes. And when he had broken down the altars and the wooden images, had beaten the carved images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. And if you go down to verse 14, now when they had brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord God given by Moses. In verse 15, then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. And so Shaphan carried the book to the king, bringing the king word, saying, All that was committed to your servants they are doing. And they have gathered the money that was found in the house of the Lord, and they delivered it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. In verse 19, thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, Achim, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Isaiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. In verse 22, so Hilkiah and those the king had appointed went to Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokath, the son of Hasra, keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke to her to that effect. Then she answered them, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants. All the curses that are written in the book, which they have read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to their gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be poured out on this place and not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah, you who, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in the manner you shall speak to him, thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender, 
And you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants. And you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants. So they brought back word to the king. And the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel and made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. And finish reading at the end of chapter 34. I'm going to speak this morning about a spiritual giant. Now, I'm going to speak to everybody about that, but I'm particularly focusing on the young people here in, in, this, in this fellowship. And what is a spiritual giant? When you think of a spiritual giant, what, what do you think of? Well, you, a spiritual giant is, is somebody who, who knows the Lord, who loves the Lord, who follows the Lord, who has put their faith in the Lord Jesus and has given their life to the Lord. They, 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 they are faithful to the Lord, they're obedient to God, they serve Him, and they do amazing things for God. A spiritual giant is somebody who you see in their life and from their lips and from their actions, they love the Lord, they're following God, and they're serving Him with all their heart and all their mind and all their soul. And if I was to say to, to anybody here, or put it out to the congregation, name some spiritual giants in the Bible. I, I, I'm not going to do it, but I'm sure there'll be names like David, or Joseph, or, or Noah, or, or, or Moses, or the Apostle Paul, or, or, or Peter, or, or Ruth, or Deborah spiritual giants that, that, that you know from their life and from what we read about them, they just are on fire for the Lord. They're burning brightly. They're not perfect. They're sinners and they have their struggles and they have their weaknesses, but they love the Lord and seek to serve Him and do His will in this world. They're spiritual giants. Well, I'm going to talk this morning about a spiritual giant that probably wouldn't be at the forefront of your mind when you think of a spiritual giant. You'll think of David or Joseph, Moses, the Apostle Paul, but you wouldn't necessarily think about this guy. And I'm going to talk to you about a guy called Josiah, King Josiah, the man that we've just read about here. He was a spiritual giant. You know, we live in a world today where in leadership, there's, there's not much to inspire you. There's not many inspirational people out there in the world. But if Josiah was around today, young people, I reckon that he would inspire you. 
I reckon you would see him as a spiritual giant. I reckon that you would be inspired by the life of King Josiah. So we're going to talk a little bit about this guy, King Josiah. He reigned in a place called Judah, or the southern kingdom, uh, between approximately 640 B.C. to 609 B.C. So that was quite a while ago. But he reigned in Judah then. And if you want to read a little bit more about him, you'll read about him in 2 Kings 22 and 23 and 2 Chronicles 34 and 35. Now, Josiah's life, the start, he didn't have a great start in his life. His father was a guy called King Ammon. Now, if you read about King Ammon, King Ammon was an evil king. He was an idolatrous king. He served and worshipped idols and false gods. He didn't worship the true God. He worshipped false gods. And kings in those days, if they were evil, the nation was evil too. They led the nation into idolatry, or they led the nation towards God. The king was very significant in those days. And King Ammon, Josiah's father, was an evil king, an idolatrous king. His grandfather was a guy called King Manasseh, and he took it to a completely different level. King Manasseh was a complete and utter psycho. He was, he was a head case. He was a very, very wicked person. He was into paganism, witchcraft. He was into idol worship. He was into all manner of evil things. He even sacrificed his own son to false gods. A really evil person. So Josiah's father and grandfather were not good guys. But Josiah didn't go the way of his father and didn't go the way of his grandfather. We can be often very influenced by our parents, by our family and fathers and and, and mothers. As I, you also take note of that. The way you live, the patterns that you live, the way that you live before your children, they'll follow that, whatever that is. They'll be influenced by that, whatever that is. But Josiah, he didn't go the way of his father and he didn't go the way of his grandfather. He went a different way. He went a different path. He went the Lord's way, the Lord's path. You see, young people, and I address also everybody as well, there are two paths that you can go down in life. The way of the world or the way of the Lord. The path of the world, and what I mean by that is the path of following the ways of the world, putting your hope in the things of the world, Um, putting your trust in man and the things of man, doing things and behaving in a way that is against the, the will of God and the word of God. That's the way of the world. And many, many people this morning here and around this world are going the path of the world. They're not going the path of the Lord. They're going the path of the world. And in that path, there's good works. There's good deeds. There's even religious acts. But it's a path of the world. The path of the Lord that Josiah goes down is the path of following the Lord Jesus. The path of trusting in God and putting your faith in the Lord and serving him and giving him your life. That path leads to glory with the Lord. There are two paths. There's not three. There's not four. There's two. And you might say, Philip, well, I'm not on the path of the Lord, so I guess I must be on the path of the world. But so what? I'll be okay. 
want to share with you about two and a half years ago, I had a dream, and I, I have dreams every night, but this was a particularly special dream, and I've only had two dreams like this in my whole life. Now, before I say any more, I believe that God speaks to us not through dreams, but through the Word of God. The Word of God is God's revelation to man. It's a closed canon. There's no new revelations. This is God's Word and God's message to everyone here in this room. That's how God speaks to us today. But I want to share with you what was in that dream. In that dream, there was a verse that, came, that was written out, and it was 1 John 2 and 17. I didn't know what 1 John 2 and 17 was, so I opened up my Bible as soon as I woke up. And 1 John 2, 17, you can read it later, but I'll tell you what it says. It says, the world is passing away along with its desires. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. A few weeks later, the Lord called me into ministry in Oma Baptist. I knew the Lord was going to do something after he gave me that passage. But think about that verse. If you're on the path of the world, the world, God's word tells us, is passing away. And you can see that. You can see that the world is passing away, can't you? You can see the way the world is going. The world isn't getting better. The world isn't being enhanced. The world is indeed, as God's word tells us, passing away along with its desires. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. The path of the world leads to separation from God for all eternity. If that's the path you're on, that's not a good path. That's a dangerous path. But you know what? Young people, and you know what, everyone here in this room? There's hope. And why is there hope? Because God is love. And God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to pay for all of our sins. The, God, the Lord Jesus Christ went onto the cross so that we would have a new way, a new path, a path of righteousness, a path that would lead to eternal life. And so if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you trust in him, then you'll be on a new path, a path that leads to glory with the Lord Jesus, a path of peace, a path of joy, a path in which the Lord will ever be with you, a path in which you will know sin's forgiven, a path that you will know that you're right with God. I want to encourage you tonight, or this morning, and I want to appeal to you this morning, don't stay on the path of the world, because as God's Word says, it's passing away along with his desires. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. Josiah went on the path of the Lord. He didn't do what his father and grandfather did. And it reads this, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the Lord of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. I just want to say a few brief things about Josiah's life. One, he became a king of his nation at the age of eight. I don't know about anybody here, but when I was eight, I couldn't run a bath, never mind run a nation. And Josiah was eight, eight, 
when he ran a country. And it wasn't an easy country to run because Judah had been very influenced by their kings and they were an idolatrous, rebellious, sinful nation. Not an easy people to run, not an easy people to lead. But Josiah was eight when he ran that country. And young people, what do we take from that? Don't let anybody ever tell you that you cannot do amazing things for God, even though you're young. As a young person, you can do amazing things for the Lord. You know, if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're one of His. You're one of His children, and you know what? You can do amazing things for Him. Just because you're young doesn't mean you can't do great things for God. And what do I mean by that? Well, you can do an amazing thing for the Lord by when you go to school, go back to school, maybe you're off for the next week or so. When you go back to school and you're sitting beside a friend, maybe, maybe say something about the Lord. Maybe tell that friend of yours or the person sitting beside you that uh, something about Jesus, something that you learned in Sunday school, something about your own personal faith. Tell them that you're a Christian. And you know, why is that an amazing thing? Because the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing. And that, that little friend that you've spoken to, that person who sits beside you in school or in college, that person, by hearing you speak to them about Jesus, even a little bit, that could be the beginning of them putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and putting them on a new path that leads to eternal life. You can do amazing things for God. Don't let anybody ever tell you, because you're young, you can't. God can use you, even at a young age, as he used Josiah, he can use you to do amazing things for the Lord. The second thing we learn about Josiah is that he became a Christian at the age of 16, it would seem. He turned to the Lord at the age of 16. Let me ask you this question to the young people and to everybody here. Have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you given your life to the Lord? Are you still on the path of the world? Are you still going down a path that is, as we've been told, passing away? You know, this morning, I want to encourage you to look to the Lord Jesus. You know, my sins, your sins, they are many. But the Lord paid for them all on the cross at Calvary. Sometimes that's hard to comprehend. Sometimes it's maybe even hard to believe. But that's what happened. The Lord on the cross at Calvary paid for our sins in full. A price needed to be paid. Justice needed to be done. And God poured his wrath, not upon you and not upon me, but upon the Lord Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. And because he did that, and because the debt of sin was paid for in full, and because God was pleased by the sacrifice that was offered in the Lord Jesus Christ, then salvation was accomplished. And if you put your faith in the Lord, I'm not asking you to do works. I'm not asking you to do good deeds. None of that will save you. Only faith in Christ and in Christ alone. Put your faith in him, just like Josiah did. He turned to the Lord and put his faith in him. And thirdly, Josiah got rid of all the sinful stuff that existed in Judah at that time. Judah was a sinful nation. So they had lots of images, idols, false idols made by man's hands. They had a lot of false gods, images that were carved, images that were molded. And what did Josiah do? 
he got rid of all this sinful stuff. He cleared out the temple. He he cleared out all the idols that existed in the nation. He got rid of all the sinful things. And when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you repent of your sins. That word repent, it basically means to turn from. To turn from your sin and to turn to God. And when you become a Christian, it's not just about saying, Lord, I want to become a Christian and get on with life as you please. Becoming a Christian, it means repenting, turning from sin and turning to the Lord, to God's ways, to God's will, to God's word. And so even as Christians, maybe we need to reflect on sinful things that we need to put away in our life. Sinful things that perhaps we have held on to. Perhaps we secretly love. We need to get rid of those things. We need to clear it out of our life. Just like Josiah did in the nation of Judah. And to everyone here, you might be caught up in sin right now. Even as a Christian. You may be indulging in sin right now, even as a Christian. And you might think, well, nobody here knows And you're right, nobody here does know. I don't know what's in your heart, and I don't know what you do behind closed doors, but I can be assured of this. The Lord knows. And there is consequences to sin. And we often maybe don't talk about that as Christians, the consequences of our sins. The nation of Judah was caught up in terrible sin, and there was consequences. We'll read about that in a second. There was consequences to their sin. God brought judgment upon them. And even as Christians, sin has consequences. You might say, well, what are those consequences? I'm going to go to heaven, Philip. So, but there is consequences here on earth. The three Ds. One, distance from God. Your sin has led you to being distant from God. If you're caught up in sin, then you will not have that joy. You will not have that peace. You will not have that assurance that you once had when you were close with the Lord, when you were walking in fellowship with Him. If you're caught up in sin, you know already the consequences to that sin, which is distance from God. And the second, if you continue in sin, is the disciplining hand of God. The disciplining hand of God. Yes, as Christians, we can face the disciplining hand of God. And we don't want to invite the disciplining hand of God. So, brothers, sisters, turn away from that sin. Repent of it. Get it out of your life and out of your heart. Because I tell you this on the authority of God's word. You will face the consequences of sinning, even as a Christian. Distance, the disciplined hand of God. And we're not even going to go there on the third day. So as God's people, let's remember that sin is serious. And God takes sin serious. And therefore, we need to self-examine and deal with that sin that perhaps easily besets us that we have secretly loved, that we have secretly held on to. We need to put it away by God's grace. That's what Josiah was doing. He was clearing out all the sinful stuff. And young people, you know, there may be things in your life that needs to be cleared out, sins that need to be stopped, 
Things that you do that you know are wrong needs to be taken away and taken out. I encourage you, as a child of God, I want you to confess those sins unto the Lord and know this, he'll forgive you of all of your sin and put away the things that have caused you to sin, whatever that may be. And young person, if you're, if you're not a Christian, if you're outside of Christ, I want to encourage you to come to the Lord this morning. Put your faith in Jesus. Give your life to him. Just say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, make me into a Christian. Lord, save me. And you know what? The Lord will save you immediately. You'll become a Christian. You'll be saved, not just for a time, but for all eternity. And you know, when they were clearing out all the evil, sinful stuff from the temple, this amazing thing happened. In verse 14 it says, Now when they brought out, that, out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. It's incredible. There's all these idols. There's all of these wooden carved images. The temple was just full of all of this idolatrous stuff, all of the sinful stuff. And they were clearing out the temple. And in the middle of clearing out all the temple, they find the book of the law. <laughs> they find the Bible. And maybe for all of us, we need, to, we need to find the Bible again in our own lives. What do I mean by that? Even as Christians, maybe the Bible has not been center of your life. Maybe it's been somewhere in a shelf. Maybe it's been underneath your bed. Maybe it just hasn't been front and center. And I want to encourage you, as I speak to myself first and foremost, bring the Bible back into your life. Do you know what? Set it in your office desk, if you work in an office. Set it there. Are you ashamed to set it there? Am I ashamed to set it there? Set it there. Set it in your car. So it's always there. It's always visible to others and to you. And like I said the last time I was here, Try that think, reflect, and pray, that three-minute devotional. Think, spend a little bit of time in the Word, reflect, meditate on His Word, and pray. And young people, I want to encourage you to read your Bible every day. You know, it's so important because when you read the Bible, do you know what happens? God speaks to you. Isn't that amazing? God speaks to you. And He leads you and He guides you all the days of your life. You want to know how to do life? Read the Word of God. Read the Bible. And that message is to everybody, young and old, here in this room. And if you want to know life, life eternal, friend, open the Bible. There you'll find all the answers. There you'll find the gospel. There you'll find Jesus Christ. And I pray you will then find salvation through faith in Him. And so the Bible, the word of God, is read out to Josiah. And in verse 19, thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes. He repented. He was convicted and, 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 and burdened by his sin. And, he, and, 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 he, and he, he cried out to the Lord. But let me just read this to you again. Verse 24. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and not be quenched. And there God is saying to the nation of Judah, your sin has consequences. Judgment is coming. And you know what? Judgment did come in the hands of the Babylonians. This nation was destroyed. And they went into captivity for 70 years. 
Sin has consequences. It's not just consequences in the Old Testament or in the New. It's here in the life of God's people. So confess those sins. Put away those sins. And get right with God, even as his people, if you indeed have got caught up in sin. But here's the wonderful thing. Verse 27. The Lord says, and this message is to Josiah. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, and you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely I will gather to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants. Josiah is saved from that judgment because he turned to the Lord. Josiah turned to the Lord. He didn't turn to the world and he didn't turn to the false gods. He turned to the Lord. And the Lord is saying to the nation, I'm going to bring judgment. But to you, Josiah, I'm going to save you from that judgment because you've humbled your heart and you've turned to me. This is not a popular thing to say in a pulpit today. But judgment is coming. You might say, Philip... I'd rather you didn't say that. That doesn't make me feel comfortable, and it doesn't make me, make, make me feel comfortable about others perhaps in this room or here in this message. But let me say this to you in love. If I don't say it, who is going to say it? It doesn't change the fact that it's not coming. There is going to be a day, brothers and sisters, friends, that God will judge the living and the dead. I have to say that because it's the truth of God's word. It's the reality of what is coming. But you know the wonderful thing is, there's hope. Why is there hope? Because God is love. And you can be saved from that judgment by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, by giving your life to him. And Josiah, come near the end of the chapter, he reads out the Bible, he turns to the Lord and encourages everyone to do the same. He encourages the nation to walk with the Lord to go on the path of the Lord and not of the world anymore. And that's exactly what I'm going to do this morning. You know, I got saved at the age of five. My father read the gospel to me many times and I gave my life to the Lord one evening with my father. I've heard the gospel. I've responded to the gospel by God's grace, nothing to do with me. But I want to share that message. I want to share that message of hope of, of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, and you know, if, if you're outside of Christ this morning, anybody in this room, I want to remind you in love that the path you're on is called the path of the world. And God's word has reminded us all this morning that this world is passing away along with its desires, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved from the judgment. You will be saved for all eternity. You will be given new life in Christ Jesus. You know, Josiah was a spiritual giant. Maybe not one that's well known, but he was a spiritual giant. And you know, he was a king at the age of eight. Just remember that, young people. Even as a young person, you can do mighty things, great things, amazing things for the Lord, even at a young age. And never let anybody tell you any different. If Josiah can do it, you can too. Do amazing things for the Lord. And Josiah became a Christian at a young age. And I want to encourage you young people, become a Christian at a young age. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give your life to the Lord.
and he will save you and he will be your friend now and for all eternity and for all of us to those even who are Christians as well remember that the life of faith is a life of repentance the sin that you commit the sin that you're holding on to that sin that you just continually do and you think nobody else knows and as a Christian it won't come with any consequences well today through God's word it does distance from God the disciplining hand of the Lord we don't want to go any further but that's the consequences of sin and our response our reply to the Lord is Lord forgive me and put away those sinful things you know, I remember when I was at the Youth Fellowship many, many years ago, there was a guy that went round Northern Ireland. I don't know whatever became of him, but he, um, he went to, into Youth Fellowship organizations and he, um, he told them, he showed them how the various secular music that we were listening to had subliminal, I can never pronounce that right, subliminal messages that were demonic, demonic and worldly. And I remember hearing the various music that was being played and realizing I have those CDs and I have those records and I have those tapes. CDs, records and tapes will mean nothing to anybody below 20 years old, but to everybody above 20 years old, you'll know what I mean. CDs, tapes and records. And I remember me and a number of my friends went back home and we all did this by God's grace. We smashed our CDs and our records, our tapes. Now this isn't a message against secular music, but it is a message about what in your life needs to be smashed. What needs to be shut down? What needs to be closed off? What needs to be put away? Put it away today, or the Lord will do it for you and me. And so therefore as God's people, let us put away sin. Let us continue to move forward for God's glory. Let us indeed burn brightly for Christ, for his glory and for his glory alone. Amen. Let's just close in prayer before closing him. Eternal Father, we thank you again for this time spent around your word. We thank you for this, this family day, Father, where all of your people are gathered together. And we just thank you, Father, for the time of fellowship that we've had and the time of praise that we've had. And Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Father, for the message that of King Josiah, this young king, this young boy who ruled a nation, and it was an idolatrous nation, a sinful nation, but yet he didn't go the way of his nation. And he didn't go the way of his fathers. He went the way of the Lord. He became a Christian at a young age. He put away his sin and he encouraged others to do the same. And Father, we pray that all of us here, those who are on that path of righteousness, the path of life, the path of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that we indeed would look back and rejoice in our salvation, but look forward and know that we are on a journey of faith that, that involves repentance every day. Father, we pray that we would be a repentant people, that we would put away sin, and indeed we would take every opportunity to share our faith, to talk about the Lord in whom we love, knowing that faith indeed comes through hearing, and the gospel is the power of God, the salvation to all who believe. Father, for those who are outside of Christ this morning, 
We pray, Father, as they've reflected on the path that they're on and the word of God that says that the world is passing away along with its desires. I pray, Father, this morning, as we all pray, that indeed, Father, that they would realize that now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now is the time to get right with God. To the young people, to the old people, we pray for whoever is outside of Christ that today would be their day of salvation where they put their faith in Christ and Christ alone. Father, we pray that we would consider and reflect and pray on all of these things. But above all, as we have begun and we finish, that it would all be done to the glory of God. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Our closing hymn.